0: what's up everyone you're listening to the anthro alert podcast which is the recording of our live show anthro alert you can now listen at your leisure and at your convenience if you're new here on anthro alert this is where renee and i your hosts and sometimes a guests, analyze break down and discuss different topics each week anthropologically enjoy Hey Bulls, listening to Bulls Radio, WSF 89.7 HD3 Tampa, 1620 a.m. on campus and streaming worldwide at TuneIn.com and the TuneIn app. This is the second hour of Anthro Alert, so if you're coming back and joining us, thanks for staying tuned. If you've just tuned in, thanks for joining us. Um, if you're new to the show, let me just give you a brief rundown about what we do here. won't be as long as... introduction to the show but just give them the whole thing make sure they know where they're at oh give them the whole thing (laughs) all right so just make sure you're not lost if you're still interested by the time i finish thank you Uh, thank you renee's mom (laughs) yeah to our our one or two listeners out there uh so this show is about anthropology and why it matters because we think it does Each week we discuss how anthropology is relevant, and over time we feature various guests from the Department of Anthropology here at USF or across the US, because that's happened a few times, to discuss their research and to have them weigh in on everyday topics and current events. We believe that this is a good opportunity for us as anthropologists and students of anthropology to better connect with the USF community and to raise awareness of the value of an anthropological perspective. And just like I said in the first half of the show, um, you know, what we say here, the statements we make, the opinions we express here on Anthro Alert, there are opinions, there are statements, they may not necessarily Rep, be representative of anthropology as a discipline, of USF anthropology department, or USF as an entity, or student government, or anybody else that I'm forgetting to mention. Did I hit all of them, Renee? I think so. I think so. Those are all the major stakeholders that matter. Okay. So with all that out of the way, we can get straight into the conversation.
1: Yeah, all, all, all those are all the entities that pay the imaginary bills that we
0: don't have. Exactly. They allow us access into, into the studio to give you this great uh information yes provide you entertainment from two to four on fridays or if you're listening on the the website in the the future 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 sometime sometime, uh so our guest this hour is heidi miller a phd student in our department so thank you for joining us heidi
2: thank you for having me
0: and would you like to just introduce yourself to our listeners
2: sure um as Spencer said I am a PhD student in the anthropology program um, I specialize in bioarchaeology I got my um, bachelor's degree at Ohio University and then I went from there to the University of, University of Indianapolis to get my master's degree hmm. and then now I'm here
0: Indianapolis represent Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go there but I went to Purdue that's close but I am from Indianapolis so yeah um bioarchaeology that sounds fancy can you tell us what what that is what that's all about
2: it is kind of fancy um <laughs> it's two
0: it's two from two instead of one. Oh, yeah. it is yeah it's a two for one deal.
2: so uh bioarchaeology is kind of simplistically it's the study of human remains in archaeological contexts mm. and so that can cover a really broad um, area depending on how you want to specialize um, so mm. you can look at Paleopathology, which is a study of ancient diseases. Um, paleodemography, which is just kind of looking at, you know, who is living in the past, age, sex, where, how many,
0: hmm. that
2: kind of stuff. Um, some people just do, you know, plain osteology, which is studying bones, just so that we can understand them better. Uh, yeah, hmm. and on and on and on.
0: Paleopathology, that seems interesting. How many, how much information can you actually glean? From bones about like diseases in the past. Mm -hmm. Because I imagine it has to be diseases that actually leave a physical scarring or something, correct? Yeah. Okay, like syphilis or something like that, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah,
2: syphilis is a big one. Um, A lot of nutritional deficiencies. Oh, okay. um, So scurvy, um, tuberculosis. Hmm. But the issue is that a lot of these um, diseases, you have to survive them for a while at least (laughs) it takes a long time for stuff to to be um, written on your bones so to say and so um, when you are seeing these things show up on a skeleton it means that people are living with these diseases for a long time Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and so how does that affect how you study that though because you're only going to have a certain sample of people right so how that's going to affect your interpretation of Mm -hmm. what you're seeing
2: yeah it does um there's a lot of uh Theoretical stuff that surrounds it, of course. With anthropology, we love our theory. Uh, But in particular, there's this one, it's a really, it's a seminal article that came out um, called The Osteological Paradox. And so it's, there's a lot that goes into it. But the main takeaway for most people is that um, when you're looking at skeletons, just because you have a skeleton that doesn't show any signs of disease doesn't mean that they weren't sick. It just means that they didn't survive the potential disease. Mm.
3: Mm
2: That's um, really interesting. Yeah, so okay. it's always something that you have to keep in mind. Mm. And so mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, when you're writing it into your reports, you say, like, probably healthy. <laughs> <laughs> right. so, so, then, been.
1: Been. so then I assume that, like, all the papers have that somehow addressed in some way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's always cited. Um, you There's always at least one sentence in there. Like, my interp- this is what I think – But because of the osteological paradox, it could be something else.
0: Hmm. So what are kind of some of the big things that topics that people focus on in in bioarchaeology? Like, can you do you have to do something else on the side? Like, do most I think when Dr. Bethard came on here, like he did bioarchaeology, but he also did forensics as well. So, like, is that a pretty normal split or are there some people that are just straight up? Bioarchaeology.
1: That's all I want to do. For for context's sake, we should probably note that that show aired on October thirteenth, Friday, October thirteenth. Ooh, and, how do you know that? And because <laughs> <laughs> he, looked, he looked at the notes. I, looked him, I, looked <laughs> the notes, I have them right here in front of me. And um, the the topic of that show was part of the research that Dr. Bethard was doing in, of all
0: places, Transylvania. Right, I do remember that. Yep. Um, which was really interesting. He came and talked to to our ethics class about that too, which is also really interesting. But. Um, Yeah, uh, so back back to, I guess, that question.
2: Yeah, uh, no, you're right. So there are a few people out there that do solely bioarchaeology, but it is pretty rare. Most people do bioarchaeology and forensics or bioarchaeology and archaeology, which Mm -hmm. is what I do. Um, Okay. You know, got to pay the bills somehow.
0: Sure, yeah, (laughs) got to keep the lights on. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So that's a good segue, actually. Why don't you go ahead and tell us the focus of of your research?
2: Yeah, so... um, my dissertation research, hopefully, will focus on um, health and identity of enslaved peoples in the Caribbean.
0: Okay. Um, well, okay, that's a lot. Why don't you um, unpack that a little bit for <laughs> us? <laughs> sure.
2: Um, oh, geez, I don't know where to start. Um,
1: like, like when, like which people, and well,
0: the Caribbean people, like, wh- like mm-hmm. when and how, yeah. and all that kind of stuff.
2: Well, so the times of slavery vary across the Caribbean from island to island, depending on, um, you know, what country, quote unquote, owns it at the time. Britain, mm. Spain, France. Um, and so you're looking at starting in about the late 1600s, early 1700s, into, um, we'll say the mid 1800s. But that's kind of late for the Caribbean. Uh, the U.S., you know, we emancipated slavery um, during the Civil War, and we were one of the later countries to was do so. Pride yeah. <laughs> <hands>. <laughs> um, so any you know any time during that period, um, you have people being um, brought over from Africa to be slaves mm. on sugar plantations, um, a lot of sugar plantations, but really just anything. I mean, they're doing all of the work in the Caribbean, mm. and so that kind of Lifestyle, that kind of activity leaves marks on the skeleton. Um, so health is a big one. You know, you ha- you see a lot of nutritional deficiencies um, in enslaved populations because they're just not getting the same um, nutritious food that the planter class, that you know, the owners are getting.
1: What, what's like, what's an example of like um, something you would find on a mark you would find on the bone?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so anemia is a really big one. Uh, so you. Iron deficiency anemia, vitamin B de- um, anemias—they leave a lot of porosities on the bone, like little holes. Um, basically, your your body doesn't have enough nutrients to build new bone, and so it'll break down bone, or it just won't um, replace what's because can- your body is continually breaking down and rebuilding bone, and so it just maybe it won't have enough to replace it, mm. um, and so you end up with porosities in very kind of in very specific places, a lot on the on the skull. Mm.
0: And so in answering these questions, I'm curious, like, is there already a collection of skeletons that you can go and study? Or are people still doing digs in the Caribbean, um, I guess, to to find these populations or, you know, where they lived and all this kind of stuff like I don't know, like, how are you gonna? Yeah. I guess deal with that.
2: There, there has, um, there are some collections available. Uh, mm. There's one in particular, the Newton Plantation from the island of Barbados, that's currently housed at Auburn University, mm. um, and that was excavated um, over a number excavated and then buried and then re-excavated over a number of years, and mm. uh, so that's one of the big ones. But other than that, it's just a lot of. Um, Um, You know, a couple of people here and there from island to island, if they're sort of accidentally found, there's not a lot of big, you know, large scale excavations going on Mm -hmm. for a number of reasons. Um, Money, whether or not the government is interested and whether or not the descendant communities are supportive of the um, of the excavations, just to name a few.
3: How are the conditions in the Caribbean, uh, the uh, environmental conditions for create, for preserving mm-hmm. skeletons?
2: Preservation varies from island to island. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the Caribbean island, because it is in the tropics, preservation tends to be really poor. That's
3: what it is. Kind
2: of um, but sometimes, especially on the, the islands that have more lime, um, like that are built on the limestone stuff, mm-hmm. you might be able to get some good preservation.
3: How come it would be more on lime? Mm-hmm.
2: So, lime is very basic. Um, acids tend to eat bone mm-hmm. and destroy it, and lime will preserve it a lot better. Okay. Hmm.
0: Learn about chemistry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, I guess choosing bioarchaeology as, like, a perspective, I guess, in, in answering these questions, you know, what makes this perspective useful in answering these questions about identification and, and the health of remains mm-hmm. and you know what kind of i guess like methods or theories or you know whatever does it contribute to to answering these questions
2: well bioarchaeology is a useful or it, it's somewhat unique so we talk about in archaeology like archaeology is great because we have all, we can look at time depth you know that a lot of disciplines can't and so bioarchaeology is the same. We can look at at changes over time and by focusing in specifically on the skeleton, we have a very direct, um, look, really direct proof of what people are doing in their lives because everything that you do eventually gets written into your skeleton. And so we can look and it's a, not always maybe a clear record, but, um, it doesn't lie <laughs> what you're doing is there you know which mm. can sometimes be very different from things like historical records um what yeah. people are saying that they're doing they may or may not mm. always be doing mm. and so the skeleton is going to tell you what they're doing
1: That's so so then true. depending on like the type of situation there's there's uh like political interest in either supporting this type of research or not supporting
2: it yes and it varies from you know in in the caribbean specifically it'll vary from island to island it'll vary from descent group to descent group and from person to person
0: Hmm. okay um we're going to get into that um here after a break but we're going to just take a a short break and then um you know we can dive into more questions about um i think you mentioned identity and and things Mm -hmm. of that nature so uh, we can talk about that after the break so stay tuned Hey, Bulls, you're listening to Bulls Radio, WUSF 89.7 HD through Tampa, 1620 a.m. on campus and streaming worldwide at TuneIn.com and the TuneIn app. Thanks for staying tuned. Thanks for joining us again. We're talking to Heidi Miller, a Ph.D. student in our department, a bioarchaeologist, archaeologist, Mm -hmm. I guess, split.
2: I like to tell people that I am an archaeologist that specializes in human remains.
0: Yeah, oh, there you go. That's better than what I said. <laughs> Isn't there a fancy name for that?
2: Bioarchaeologist.
3: That's not osteoarchaeology. Oh,
2: osteoarchaeologist or... is the same, but that's what they use in Europe.
0: Oh, when... Yeah, well, oh. you know,
2: we Americans have to have our own.
0: When everything's different. Yeah. <laughs> so bioarchaeology is the Big Mac. Yeah. Of... Over
2: there, bioarchaeology mm. includes animals and... All, all life forms. And
0: here we call that like zooarchaeology, right? Yeah. Okay. And we're cultural anthropologists, but they're <laughs> social anthropologists. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs>
1: this, this reminds me of the conversation I had earlier today when I was trying to explain to somebody what an anthropologist was, and then um, eventually I just resorted to: Have you ever, you heard ever heard of Indiana Jones? <laughs> And then yeah, the p- person nods. Oh yeah, I know. I, I I've seen all of those movies. They're awesome. And I said, well, it's kind of like that, but like in real life.
2: Yeah, but it's like that, but you're making not it worse for everyone. At all. By <laughs> <saying that.
0: laughs> yeah. Because that's why people just ask me if I'm if I do Bones. Mm-hmm. And, I'm like, and I'm like, that's like, like if someone worked
3: them. at NASA and they're like, hey, it's all like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually <pretty laughs> you know comparison. <laughs>
0: um. Okay. So well pivot to to real life anthropology um and talk more about your research Heidi so we talked about health and identification and things like Mm -hmm. that and so how does health show up in your bones but when you're explaining your research you also mentioned that you're interested in identity Mm -hmm. of enslaved individuals in the Caribbean so how did enslaved individuals handle questions of identity um, especially with, like, forced migration and things like that?
2: Yeah, um, that's a really difficult question. So probably nobody asked them mm. how they identified. Yeah. Um, and so we rely a lot on historical records, most of which are not written by the enslaved.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, because, like, you know, how many people were, like, literate Yeah. also, like, within those populations? or Or allowed to document. Exactly, yeah, yeah given, like, the opportunity to do that.
2: Yeah. Um, not a lot. Mm. And so we, we tend to have a lot of our documents come from people who are literate, which always biases the record. Mm. Um, and so, you know, you you could use that information, certainly, but you have to just remember that it is biased. Mm. Um, so in, in historical documents, you'll see a lot of talk about someone being from a certain country or a certain cultural mm. group um, as sort of a descriptor. Uh, so that's one one means of identifying. But whether or not...
3: How nuanced? I assume that's from, like, trade logs? Yeah. How mm-hmm. nuanced were they about... Is that something that was kept track of, or what village you came from or what? No, not really. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Because
2: no. by the time, you know, depending on where along the line, I guess, you're getting picked up in the slave trade. Oh, that's true. Um, Just the port,
3: of Yeah, the port. It, is all
2: you're going to... Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so you'll see it, especially in like runaway slave accounts, they'll put ads in newspapers like, oh, I've lost a slave from such and such a country. Um, And so you'll see that as a descriptor sometimes. Yeah.
0: And so how trying to think through how can identity Mm -hmm. be studied through bioarchaeology with, you know, Obvious gaps in the accounts, yeah. um, biases in the accounts, and things like that. So, like, how do bioarchaeologists handle mm-hmm. handle that?
2: Well, so like we mentioned earlier, we incorporate a lot of different things into um, our field. So we, you know, we study the skeleton, but we're archaeologists, and, and we do all of these things. So we can incorporate things like uh, mortuary, you know, grave practices. So the way that people are buried, buried, um, the grave goods that they're buried with. Um, That kind of stuff can tell you a lot. Uh, Also, um, you know, when you're looking specifically at the skeleton, you have to bring in a lot of um, theoretical uh, stuff. So, you know, you're tying it in with the historical documents, with the archaeology evidence, and then you um, use a lot of theory to sort of tie it all together into identity. Um, And so for, for me personally... Um, I'm interested in this specific theory called materiality of the body, which um, builds a lot on embodiment theory and practice theory, Uh, you know, going back to the beginnings, it Mm -hmm. starts with like a, with practice theory. And so the idea behind that is, you know, sort of what I said earlier, where the things that you do get inscribed onto your skeleton. So, you know day after day after day, you're doing the same activities, you're gonna be able to see that reflected in the skeleton. And so then it's our job, my job, to go in and figure out, okay, these things that I'm seeing on the skeleton, these different markers, how can they represent someone's identity?
1: Hmm. And and, yeah. and what's an example <laughs> of that? Yeah, that's a Ooh. lot to... Uh...
2: Yeah, bring that down to earth. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, you're you're diving into things that I'm still working on figuring out here. So, <laughs> um, so we can look at you know things like we talked about earlier about nutrition. So that can sometimes help us um, figure out things like status and class. Um, you know what people have access to healthy foods, what people don't. Um, so would
3: that be like dental decay from a starchy diet, or I mean, like, it can be. Mm-hmm. Or was it Harris lines? Is that, no. mm-hmm. I'm yeah, I'm so not, not very good at archaeology, <laughs> so I'm just. He's just like throwing out yeah, the bio by- art terms. Whatever that he terms he remembers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's one, right, for malnutrition? Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. So, Harris lines are um, uh, basically your, your body grows sort of at set rates. And so, if something happens, like you get sick or you don't have. Um, the nutrition that you need, it will stop building bone and then start back up again once You're it gets better. that nutrition. And so you have these lines that show you where,
3: hmm.
2: um, and that you get them a lot in the teeth. They're called linear enamel hypoplasias. And uh, you can even, with those ones, you can even determine the age at which they occurred.
1: Is this is this like we would count the rings on a tree?
2: Yeah, yeah, or, pretty similar.
1: Or on a shell, as, as I learned earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did learn about that. Oh, okay. So we're just like little trees.
3: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've always felt that was true. So I'm glad to have it confirmed. Have
0: some confirmation. <laughs> yeah. There.
2: I mean, I don't know if anybody saw the the, paper, the article that came out recently about trees uh, having feelings and communicating with each other via root systems.
3: That's, I, not, that's not a real no. article. No. Nope. It? it is. Not. Is it really? It is.
2: I haven't, I'm not sure how it works exactly. Yeah, but
3: how, how did they define a feeling in a tree?
2: I don't know. It's <laughs> something, it was, so if you, um, cut a branch off of a tree the, sap comes out, the like. neighboring trees feel its pain somehow
0: how is that measured i'm so curious I'm <laughs> like i don't know i have to google it yeah, yeah. i feel like that's just more of a biological response yeah i don't know okay yeah cool interesting yeah. so
3: i'm glad that they're loving for each other too that would make sure. them very different than the rest of the animal kingdom
1: that's that's how um i feel like this is the start of the the plot of a movie called the happening yeah. with, <laughs> with Mark Wahlberg.
3: <laughs> we all laughed at that movie little did we know
0: it was telling the future. Yeah. Um what was I going to ask? Oh yeah, 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 okay. Um so you said that you're um, an archaeologist who studies human remains is kind of mm-hmm. how you self-classify yourself. But yes. you also you work in like other aspects of archaeology though, correct? Like yeah. um, I think you've done some work in, like, zooarchaeology and historical archaeology. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So uh, we have a zooarchaeology and historic archaeology lab here on campus, which I know that you have had um, Dr. Diane Wallman Mm -hmm. on your show in the past, and she probably spoke about that some, at least. And um, so I help in the lab um, doing that. So we do a lot of identifying animals that we find on archaeological sites, um, specifically, mm-hmm. you know, looking at what people are eating. Um, so if we find some uh, So right now we are have the field school going f- at Gamble Plantation. And um, we are excavating right behind the kitchen. And so we're finding a lot of, of bones from animals where they're making dinner. And so we can bring mm-hmm. those back to the lab and identify them and see what they're eating. So we have a lot of cow and a lot mm-hmm. of pig. and.
0: Is that a main focus of zoology Kind of like how animals relate into... What people are eating? Yes. Okay.
1: Because yep. C- I figured, like, what the, one of the purposes of archaeology is to really set the context for everything. Mm-hmm. And so this adds to that, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, archaeology is the study of people in the past, and mm-hmm. so all of these subfields, zoarchaeology bioarchaeology, it all builds into that idea of what pe- What are people doing.
0: Can you answer questions about, like, domestication of animals through zooarchaeology?
2: Yeah. Yeah, you can. Okay. Um... A lot. So when animals get domesticated, they tend to change Um, a lot of times in size or even in features. They might, let's say, um, so like cows, female cows used to have horns, but our cows don't. So that's something that they have lost over time because they didn't, they didn't need it for protection anymore. Hmm. Uh, So stuff like that.
3: Interesting. So the steers just kept it for mating strategy.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Wow, learn
0: something new every day. <laughs> look at that. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> and so what um in the lab here mm-hmm. that's mainly what what you guys work on though is is um the field school and Gamble Plantation looking at what they ate and the diet yeah. and things like that. Yeah, that's
2: our big project. Okay. Um so we do we also do historic archaeology so we're looking at all of the aspects of um of what happened to Gamble Plantation in the past. But specifically, yeah, we do look at um, the zoo archaeology and, and what people are eating.
0: Okay. Great. Um, so we're going to pause right there. Um, and then we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk to Heidi about her applied work as an anthropo- or archaeologist, not an anthropologist. Um, yeah, your applied work and, and CRM. So stay tuned. Hey, bulls. You're back on Anthro Alert. Um, not going to give you the introduction because you just heard it. Um, so we're going to dive back into our conversation with Heidi. Um, we've kind of continued it off the air, but um, we'll we'll bring you guys back in. Uh, and so before we took a break, we were talking about zooarchaeology, historical archaeology, um, and then different things about identity and, um, you know, how Heidi's going to kind of deal with those questions um, in her research, but she's still figuring it out. So I'm sure... Um. Things will evolve as time goes on. I hope we, so. we 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 can help you figure it out, and
1: then whenever you publish, you can just throw our names. Yeah, on. <laughs> 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 that would be sweet. in the
0: acknowledgements. <laughs> thank you.
1: No, no, I want top billing.
3: Oh,
2: oh, he wants to be okay. first author. Wow, yeah.
3: not first. I'll take third or fourth. Oh, okay, oh. all right. Mm. Just contributing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so now we're going to go into the applied aspects of archaeology, mm-hmm. um, as we like to do and other shows uh, because we are an applied department. And so tell us about your work as an applied archaeologist.
2: So when I'm not here at school, I work in CRM, uh, which stands for Cultural Resource Management, Mm. which is... um, Let's see. There there are a lot of laws in the United States that require um, archaeological excavation. Mm. So if you have... um, you know, federal funding or, or you need federal permits or uh, in states there are laws. Sometimes cities have laws mm. that if you are going to basically do any sort of digging or, or um, destruction, you need to do what's called a cultural resource survey. And so you bring archaeologists in and they most of the time dig a bunch of holes and tell you, like, no, there there's no archaeology sites here. Or, yes, there are archaeology sites here and you got to f- figure something out. Hmm.
0: Man, how political does that get? I just kind of want to like, <laughs> <laughs> dive right into that a little bit. Because I feel like maybe, like, what happens if you find something and people are like, well, actually you didn't yeah. slip a little $100 bill across the table. No, or... more than that.
2: <laughs> they tr- I, I had somebody offer me one time. Uh, so I work mostly in North Dakota. And so right now we are build, uh, they're building a lot of wind farms up there. You mm. know, the Great Plains. It's really windy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And... um you get a lot of money if you have a wind farm on your property. A lot of like rent, I guess mm-hmm. you call it. And uh, so I had some a, a landowner offer me fifty dollars to not find anything on their property.
0: Oh,
2: I was like, um, fifty
3: bucks—that's all I could come up with.
2: I know, right?
3: Yeah. He must not think
0: much of you. He was going to land into like some sweet windfield money, and right, <laughs> yeah. like, you should have been like two percent, like, buddy, two
3: percent for the lifetime of the, yeah. of the farm. Yeah. I should have.
0: Yeah. Man, okay, come on. So let's do. <laughs> let's talk here. about like ethical <laughs> yeah. CRM. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, I guess we should we should promote that. Um,
2: yeah. I would okay. never. I would never take money. <laughs> there you go. Say the thing. To not find something. Say the thing you're supposed right. to
0: think. <laughs> and
3: so Two and a half percent, maybe. Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 Got to
0: pay for grad school, right? right. Um, and so how is CRM are they like consulting companies are they part of other like construction companies how does how does that work
2: um again it, it you know in archaeology our favorite word is it depends mm. and so uh it varies a lot from company to company so some companies do solely CRM work um, and then other ones, the company that I work for is part of a larger company that has mm-hmm. divisions in architecture and engineering and construction and okay, all kinds so of
0: stuff. So they dabble a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, is there enough CRM work to where you could have solely CRM work? Or does it depend on what state you're in? Or?
2: It depends a lot on what state you're in. Okay. Um, so I'm from Ohio, up north, and we have, you know, winters and snow. Mm-hmm. So you can't, um, when the ground freezes, you can't dig. Yeah, sure. And so there's not as much work in the winter time um here in florida you don't have as much of a problem with that you Mm -hmm. can work in the winter right but um people do uh survive solely on on they call it field teching is the field technician is the um title of it and so people do survive on field teching Mm -hmm. it's maybe not a great living but pays the bills
0: right so let's get into that a little bit um you know after we graduate we got to find a job mm-hmm. well hopefully we find we find a job preferably in something that we've studied yeah um and so if somebody wants to get into crm do you need a master's degree do you need a phd do you just need a bachelor's degree how you know how how do you get mm-hmm. in get into it
2: you need a bachelor's degree and a field school okay So the the field school is really the important thing because sometimes you can get a CRM job without a bachelor's degree. Um, Jobs without having a field school are extremely rare. I won't say that they never occur, but it's very rare. Um, So you need that field school to train you how to dig like an archaeologist because CRM projects tend to be very rushed. Like, we need this done yesterday. Mm. And so you don't have time in the field to train someone to do it.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, are these people coming in with bachelor's degrees? Is everybody mm-hmm. an anthropologist?
2: No, some people have history degrees. Some people have, uh, whatever. As long as you have that field school, okay. that's really what matters. What, how long?
3: How long is a field school? How does that work?
2: Field schools are generally six weeks. Okay. Um, yeah. So the one that we're running right now is is a six week field school. Um, it ranges anywhere from like three to six credit hours. Ours is four. And so you go, you know, four or five days a week, eight hours a day, whatever your field school is, and you do archaeological excavations.
1: Mm. Mm. Uh, This is over at Gamble Plantation?
2: Yep. Yep.
1: Four four credits?
2: Yeah. Last year we had six, but we had to do some negotiating with the university this year. And so we're at four Mm. for this year.
0: Interesting. And so during that six-week period, it's what broken into the first week is learning the technique, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. and getting them acquainted with being an archaeologist in the real world. And then yeah. how does it progress from there?
2: Uh, so the first week we do a lot of, um, this is archaeology, this is how you dig, these are the techniques, this is all of the paperwork that you have to fill out and mm. how to fill it out.
0: Nobody ever tells you about the paperwork.
2: Oh, so much paperwork. <laughs> write the same thing down 18 times (laughs) and then uh after that it's a lot of um refining your techniques getting Mm -hmm. better at them um and learning additional things you may not have learned in the first week so specific kind of this is how to treat this specific example Mm -hmm. um so this this week in the field we had a lot of students learning how to excavate features so features are um basically things that can't be moved. So post post holes, buildings, hearths, um, privies, anything that you can't just, you know, pick up and take it and put it in a museum. Mm -hmm. And so we have very specific ways of excavating features as opposed to a normal, uh, maybe like test unit, which is we kind of place around to see what's going on. And so Mm -hmm. we have students finally uncovering, finding some features. And so they're learning how to deal with that.
1: All right, so, so you, you mentioned three features. So post holes, mm-hmm. which are, I assume, a, a hole that you would put, put a post in. Yep. And those, those, I love stay. that deductive reasoning. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: So uh, what happens is you dig a hole and put, let's say, a fence post in it. And then um, when you take the pe- fence post out, soil from the top falls down into it. And so the soil Ooh. on the top is a different mm-hmm. color than the soil... That you've dug into, and so you can see that imprint Mm. later on down the road.
1: Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, You mentioned uh, hearths. Hearths. Mm -hmm. Can't can't quite (laughs) say that.
2: Yeah. uh, So a hearth is, you know, where a fire used to be,
0: laying down by the fire.
2: And so (laughs) it tends to either be in a hole or or build up over time. And so and people just leave it there. You know, you're not cleaning your hearth or taking it with you when you Mm -hmm. leave. So, you find So, you're typically
0: finding just like the foundation then?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then all the soot. She
2: yeah. Tells you mm. The great. soot and the ash and whatever else is in it. Mm. Mm. Burnt mm. seeds, burnt bones.
0: Whatever they were cooking.
2: Burnt wood. Yeah. All that stuff.
1: Mm. Hmm. Well, uh, the third one was a privy?
2: Privy. Bathrooms, toilets.
0: Oh. Oh, okay. I'm sure those are fun to find.
2: Actually, the surprisingly, for... they are. Um,
0: find all kinds of interesting stuff in the yeah. privy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so. <laughs> Archaeologists really, really—we, I mean, if you think about it, we look at people's trash. Yeah. And so um, privies are really great because when someone is done using a privy, they'll use it to throw all their trash in, mm. and then they'll cap it over, cover it with something. And so it becomes very anaerobic. It loses oxygen. Um, it stays in a very kind of controlled environment. Mm. And so artifacts tend to preserve a lot better in privies. Mm. And so we find all kinds of cool stuff in them that mm. we might not find elsewhere.
0: Speaking of trash, I read this book once called Garbology. You guys mm-hmm. ever read that? I haven't, but it's not he's not an archaeologist, but I mm-hmm. read some of it. He's basically talking about like the social like
3: he's from Arizona, right?
2: Yeah, yes. I think yeah. so.
0: It's like yeah. talking about our trash and like mm-hmm. what it symbolizes and like what it says about us and that kind of stuff. It was really interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah which is kind of what we do but only in the past.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really old garbage. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um yeah, I mean it can tell a lot about a person or uh, Village or society in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, winding down the show, we just got some more general questions for you. So, wh- how did you get interested in anthropology?
2: Well, uh, I sort of came to anthropology in a roundabout way, yeah, as um, most of us do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I started as a nursing major, hmm. and I See, went that's through quite a roundabout. <laughs> yeah, it's like
0: complete opposite.
2: I went through two years of nursing school and then um i transferred schools um when i got married and uh didn't get directly into the nursing program and so i had to take you know it's just taking some general education classes to fill in until i could get into the nursing program and i took an anthropology class and i really liked it so i took another one and then another one <laughs> and then, <laughs> then it never one. stopped <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then yeah and here I am today. So eventually, I changed my major, and I and now you're
0: back. in a PhD program. Yeah, look at that. I know. And so, what's what's next for you after you complete your PhD? What's kind of the the futuristic game plan?
2: Uh, I really, I really want to stay in CRM. Um, I think CRM work is really important. Mm. Most archaeology. In the U.S., at least, is done in CRM. Um, it's mostly salvage work—things that will be destroyed because a road is going to be built or a building is going to be built. And so, um, you know, it's really important to go in and and save that stuff for future research and, and future information. And so, I find that I think it's really important. And so, that's that's where I want to stay.
1: Hmm. I mean, are we really building that many roads? I mean, I, I mean, ha- haven't we already? driven everywhere we need to drive. I don't
2: Well, I don't, know. I don't know. I mean,
1: we need to
0: fix the roads that we
2: already yeah. have before we build new ones. <laughs> Tampa <laughs> seems like it's always building roads somewhere. Yeah. So.
1: Like new roads to new places? New
2: ro- or even widening roads, so the oh, r- the, the original white, white, survey white, may red. not yeah. have covered where they're widening it to. Connecting nope. roads? Yeah. All that um, kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. All right. What's well, that's that's new to me. I I just I, I don't know.
1: I figured but I don't live on the outskirts of anything. That's probably why I don't see it. Oh uh, yeah, I live mm. on the the lush interior of Tampa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Never Where, heard it described that way. Yeah,
1: well, it's it's wet, uh, baby. It's Tree City, USA, if, from what I've heard. Oh, there's a s- couple of signs that say. No, there's, there's not. Is there's, there really? there's yeah, there's a couple. You got to find them. There's One sign, he he made it up. <laughs>
2: Are they still standing, or are they <laughs> stored somewhere? <laughs> yeah.
1: they're in some privy. Yeah, uh. <laughs> it's always the no. Privy. There are there are signs. You can probably find it mm. if you if you look. Yeah. yeah. All right. But, well, um, maybe maybe a last question would be to ask you uh, what what advice would you give people interested in this? Oh yeah, that's like, a good question. Ooh. Like like for somebody interested in CRM or for somebody interested in archaeology, like what's what do mm-hmm. they have to do? Who do they have to impress?
2: I guess my, my first piece of advice would be, if you're interested in archaeology, um, you're considering it for a career or what, um, take a field school. Um, and if you can't take a field school, then volunteer somewhere. Um, there, it's a little more difficult to find volunteer places where you can. And by doing that and actually getting in and doing some archaeo- like hands-on archaeology digging, that's going to tell you if you really want to do this for the rest of your life. Archaeology, it's hot. It's hard physical labor. There's bugs. There's snakes. There's all that kind of stuff, dirt. And if you don't like that, maybe it's not for you, and that's okay. Got to be
1: willing <laughs> to get dirty. Yeah. yeah. So then maybe for the people who try that and think, oh, this probably is not for me, they're probably better off going into history or something.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: It'd probably be a good alternative. Right?
2: Or museum studies.
1: Oh, oh well, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. a good choice. Yeah, Because then, then you get all of the stuff but none of the dirt. That's right you just get the cool stuff at the end yeah you just look at it when it's (laughs)
2: clean and shiny
1: unless it happens to be a geological museum
2: oh yeah then you just have rocks then it's all
1: Mm. like
0: rocks and dirt type stuff i took a geology class once it was really interesting we had to memorize all the rocks yeah yeah good for you yeah
2: i was terrible at that (laughs) it was interesting though. that's what google is for
0: that's true yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just like scroll through the images until it, yeah, yeah yeah that looks like that. This one. is how our
3: robot overlords are going to take us. We're going to be helpless babies. Yeah. When they decide to if Google can't
0: us. tell me, then I just don't know. know. I, <laughs>
3: yeah. We surrender.
0: Uh, it's gonna it's gonna bite us in the butt one day, but until that until time, <laughs> until that time, yeah. I'm going to use Google. <laughs> All right. Um, so winding down the show for this week. Um, Heidi, thank you for coming in, speaking with us. You're very welcome. Uh, I enjoyed this. Yes. We appreciate that. It was a great conversation. We loved having you on. Um, We actually are winding down the show permanently in the next couple weeks, so got to savor the moment. (laughs) Yeah, um, and,
1: and uh, this this episode actually concludes our series on archaeology. So if yeah. you listen to all twenty eight <laughs> episodes, you you'll have um, an honorary uh, certificate in in um, archaeological uh, studies that yep. you can print out. We'll have it on our website. You can print it out. And, Ooh, um, can I get one of those? Yeah, yeah, for yep. sure. Excellent. And uh, you'll be honor- honorary. Yep. Just get that. Do a field school, you're good to go. You're good to go. That's, right. <laughs> that's Put it on your, it on your CV. Yep. <laughs> show, that to, show that to anybody who is not in the industry,
0: and they'll be impressed. <laughs> um, but until that time, this will be recorded and will be on the anthroalert.com um, in the future. Um, and until that time, we will see you on the next show. Stay tuned.